Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. I wasn't actually going to uh, record an episode this week because I've been busy writing a talk that I'm doing next week in Manchester at a free evening event, if you'd like to come along, called Before Upfront. And Elliot J. Stocks and I will both be talking about our career path. So I was pretty busy doing that, so I haven't really written or blogged anything this week, so I thought I'd dive into my blog archives and resurrect an old post that I wrote called Lessons Learned from Inheriting the Family Business. I inherited the family insurance business in 2005 when my dad passed away, and just days before that, I had been studying music at college, Um, so it was a pretty big leap to go from being a drummer, walking about with a pair of 5A Vic Firths in my back pocket, to now running uh, an insurance business in an industry that I knew nothing about. So trying something new inevitably means making mistakes. Lots of mistakes, and I've always been quite comfortable making mistakes, uh, because the upside of that is learning things. And when it came time to build with Jack, I was able to apply all of these lessons that I'd learned from my dad's business so that I could avoid making the same mistakes again. So let's dive into what these lessons are. There are three of them, by the way. The first one is not to put all of your eggs in one basket, and I am referring to marketing. So when you find a marketing channel that works and it's converting, it can be really tempting to focus all of your efforts on that, especially if it's low cost and you're getting good results. And my dad had built his entire insurance business on Google. So of the 10 results on Google's first page, my dad's website accounted for six or seven of those results. He completely dominated the organic search results and that worked really well for him. In those days, Google was the sort of key platform that people would use to shop for insurance online. So getting on the first page and dominating that first page, it was huge and it only cost my dad his time. And at the height of his success, he was selling 40 policies a day. Whoa, go dad. Just to kind of compare with Jack, I'm selling about 50 policies a month right now. (laughs) So um, yeah, so around 2005 when I inherited the business, um, everything changed. Comparison websites exploded in popularity and suddenly we saw the number of people using Google to shop for insurance plummet. And instead, they started flocking to these comparison sites like Go Compare, Confuse.com, Compare the Market, you know, the ones with the annoying adverts and theme tunes. And alongside the increase in popularity of comparison sites, something else happened. Google blacklisted us from the search engine because of the SEO tactics my dad had been using. Like going back 15, 16 years ago, there was this thing called keyword stuffing. And apparently, my dad was a pretty big fan of keyword stuffing. So we went from having a healthy flow of leads 
to being completely de-indexed from the one platform that we'd built this entire business on. And all of that was happening whilst comparison sites were booming and enjoying this popularity and we were facing tougher competition than ever. So my lesson there going into with Jack was to diversify my marketing from day one and not build my business on top of just one channel, but instead to focus on two or three at a time. The second lesson actually ties in a lot to my episode uh, last week, which was called should you, I'm trying to think, what did I call last week's episode? Should you build for a user segment and you're not a part of? Um, lesson number two is that you must like the audience you're serving. So my dad's business served the buy-to-let market. And I don't dislike landlords, but I'm also not excited by their trade. And unlike my dad, I didn't have experience as a landlord. My dad had worked in the property industry for years, firstly as an estate agent before then moving into insurance. And he even owned a couple of rental properties himself. So he had all of this firsthand experience of buying and renting properties and was constantly in in the market of serving landlords. So that put him in the mindset of the audience that he was serving, which makes business a lot simpler. And when I inherited the business in 2005, I learned to code, you know, I learned web development, I learned digital marketing, I learned search engine optimization, and I studied our policy documents so that I could understand the products. Like whilst my friends were out being teenagers and getting drunk and having fun, I was reading policy booklets uh, on buy to let. And I also read tons of business books. I just tried to learn as much as possible. But where I went wrong was failing to learn about the audience, landlords. Like getting into the heads of landlords didn't excite me. Where do they hang out? I don't know. What are their problems? I don't know. What language do they use when talking about insurance? I don't know. And I wasn't passionate enough about landlords to find that stuff out. But what did interest me and what still does interest me to this day is design and development and technology. And so I really immersed myself in the web industry. I was attending and even speaking at conferences. I was reading web industry publications. I was engaging with the community on Twitter. And all of that led to the creation of With Jack, which is focused on freelancers. But 70% of my customers are web designers and web developers, which is an audience that I really like and resonate with. So my lesson there is you are going to spend years talking to, dealing with and serving this audience. So you have to make sure you like them. You have to make sure you're excited about what it is they do and you want to help them. My third and final lesson, well, I mean, I'm sure I learn a lot more from the family business, but um, the third lesson that I'm talking about today was don't assume a problem exists. Now, this is a common mistake that creators make. You know, think about the developer who builds a SaaS app without researching their target market's pains and then nobody uses the software because it doesn't solve a problem that existed. It solves a problem the developer thought existed. Don't worry, I've been there too. I think we all have. And, you know, then the developers wasted months developing this product only to make no money. And that's a mistake that 
could have been avoided had they actually spoken to their target market. So so this was a yeah, definitely a mistake that I've made a couple of times in life. Um with the, my dad's business, we were struggling we were struggling. Uh I wasn't growing the business. I wasn't even able to maintain it. Every single week we were losing customers. And with comparison sites booming and our diminishing visibility on Google, I had to ask myself, what what can I do? What can I do to get customers? And whilst the insurance industry has improved now, back then, insurers weren't really investing much money into their technology. And I truly believed that if I used design and tech to make the process simpler for landlords to buy insurance that we'd see an increase in sales. That's logical thinking, right? So I focused on redesigning our quoting process. I built a prototype of a quote system uh, in Ruby. And then I also hired a, a designer to redesign our website and give us a much more professional and uh, modern brand. And I'm actually confident that we were the first UK insurance broker to implement a responsive design. And then I also snagged the .co.uk domain extension, which I felt symbolized our business maturing. We laid to rest the .net extension. This gave us more credibility. And then I also built Lodger, which was a SaaS app for landlords to manage their rental properties. And it complemented our customer base perfectly. And I thought this gives us a unique selling point. People can come to our amazing looking website and see that they will get this free software when they buy a policy. Surely all of these things will solve our problem of falling sales. But it didn't. It didn't produce the results that I'd hoped for. And we didn't see a surge in sales. We didn't even see the smallest spike. And that was because there was something quite important that I'd overlooked. You know, this responsive design, this nicer quoting experience... None of that mattered to our audience. Landlords don't care about good design. They don't get excited about clever technology. Landlords, it turns out, are pretty happy filling out traditional proposal forms on a desktop computer, running an old version of Windows, or even you know using an old school insurance broker to find them the best deal. And it, it took me a long time to realise that this problem that I was addressing just didn't exist for this market. So the lesson there is research your audience's pains. Don't assume a problem exists. Talk to them. I feel like there was a lot of uh, overlap with last week's episode, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. So whilst all of these factors contributed to the business not doing as well as it once did, I actually don't consider my dad's business as a failure um like I feel like I was able to use that experience as an opportunity to learn coding to learn marketing and also to learn about insurance and through his through inheriting his business I ended up developing a passion for design which I would never I don't think that would have happened if I hadn't have inherited his business and then I used my experience um as a stepping stone to now do something I love, which is building with Jack. On the topic of failure, you know, if you ever find yourself in that situation, and you should do, if you, if you fail, it means you're trying something new, um, 
you know, reflect on why it's happened and most importantly, reflect on what you can learn from it. And like I said, failing at something simply means you're trying something new. Failing at something means you'll do better next time. My dad's business was the catalyst for With Jack. Uh, so those lessons, as difficult as they were to learn at the time, they've helped me build a better, stronger business today. Now, next week's episode is going to look at the miniature product launch that I've just had and sort of dissect that. And uh, a bit of a spoiler, unless things drastically change over the next few days, which I don't think they will, it's been a bit of a flop. So it should make next week's episode pretty interesting. Tune in then. Bye now.